Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We talk today to Michael Hudson. He's the CEO of Mawson Resources. They've got a gold cobalt asset in Finland. They've also recently taken up some options uh, with a JV partner in Australia to look at a gold project there. Plus, I think they've also got something in the US, which they're not spending too much money on at the moment. We talked to him about his entrepreneurial spirit and their business plan. It gives us a very honest appraisal of the current situation and what they plan to do this year to kind of drive that shareholder value up. Enjoy the podcast. Good evening. How are you, sir? I'm very well, thank you, Matthew, from a, a twilight here down under. Exactly. So I do appreciate you taking time at the end of the day to talk to us. Um, looking forward to this. We don't get many Finnish stories on here. So uh, why don't we kick off with a one minute summary and we'll pick it up from there. Finnish story told by an Australian, so it should be perfect. <laughs> now, uh, we, I'm here to talk about Mawson Resources, which is a TSX listed gold exploration company. Mm. Uh, we've been focusing in the Nordics for a long time now, since uh, 2004. I've had over 20 years in that part of the world. We're a gold exploration company with a, a discovery we made from first principles up in the north of Finland. And uh, we've been drilling like crazy up there and we still are at the moment. So it's a, an ex exploration story pivoting to initial resources and resource expansion. Beautiful, okay. So it's a gold story, which obviously very you know, topical at the moment, um, people are excited about gold stories. But can we start off with a, just a few of the other variables just to kind of get them out of the way? Okay, Finland, mining. Not many people know much about Finland. So is it a good jurisdiction? Who's there? What are they doing? Yeah, they didn't know a lot about Finland uh, outside of uh, the Nordics until relatively <laughs> recently. And, and uh, I, I think it's become a new mini Klondike uh, compared to where I saw it, uh, let's say, back in you know, the early 2000s. So, so really, that the, the brief history of, of Nordic mining and Finnish mining is that it's, it's over 400 years old. They, mining has helped them recover at various stages of their, their history, and it, and it was mainly focused on iron ore and base metals. And right up until Finland and Sweden, uh, for that matter, joined the EU, you had to have majority local ownership. So commercial foreign interest didn't come in and it was mainly government run companies or, or state companies and the government that mainly did the exploration in Finland's case. So it had different outcomes, good outcomes. They found a lot of mineralization and it's one of the most mineralized uh, parts of the world. It's got the right rocks and, and uh, they found a lot of good mines. And, and, and I think an example of that history is that approximately they say 90% of underground mines in the world have either Finnish or Swedish technology. So it's built up a very big technological arm around them. And that's because they're smart and efficient. And But they, they decided that basically those state companies had found everything in the early 90s when they joined the EU and it was opened up for foreign exploration. The other bit of information is that back in the 80s was really the first time that gold was started to be looked for. I think in you know, 87 was the first gold exploration. So a, a Paleoproterozoic greenstone belt, 99% covered under till, so not a lot of outcrop, uh, was essentially unexplored for gold, essentially unexplored. And, and then nothing much happened in our business in the 90s. There was a bit of a boom, but it was a bit too early. 
A uh, few people went in, a lot of the majors went in, the Rios and the BHPs, but it was really only in the in the last go round, you know, 2005, six to 2011, that, that Finland and, and, and Sweden really started to take off. Took, uh, I, I used to go and tell this story and talk about, you know, saunas and ABBA and, and, uh, and it's just more than that. But uh, now people get that these are mining countries. I mean, there's a lot of miners up there now. So a lot of the major miners have come into the country. Um, Agnico's longest life mine Europe's largest mine is Kithila, which is just north of us, uh, in, in Lapish terms, 120 or 30 kilometres north of us. Uh, we've got we've got Goldcorp and now Newmont who have invested in us. V2 are there. Um, Rio just did a deal with another company just south of us. Uh, there's there's Boliden, who's the Swed Swedish major. So there's a, there's a hell of a lot of majors working in that part of the world now, as well as active juniors. Okay, so that's, so that's good news. And that also suggests that um, the access to licensing permits that's a well-trodden path. Um, is it a quick process? Have you found, have you had any difficulties? Are you afraid of something in here which I've never seen before? It's like you've got day permit for drilling and, oh, sorry, uh, summer permits and winter permits, which is, I'd never heard that before. Why, why are they different? Yeah, well, uh, I mean, we've gone through the Finnish permitting hoops over the years now. Firstly, we've been permitted now for four years for drilling and another two years ahead of us. So we've been permitted for six years. But there was a history to Mawson that uh, it, it was hard for us to get permits. There was a, a period in Finnish time where uh, there was a, a massive failure in Finland owned by a Finnish, well, there was a Finnish run company that listed in, in uh, London. It was called Telvivara. Uh, yeah. Everyone bailed or came into the project because it was the green bio heat leach project. Then it, it spent lots of money and it failed. And then mining went on the nose. The Greens started to had the balance of power. The Minister for Environment was from the Greens and became a very different, difficult political climate in the early uh, 2010 to 13 timeframe. And that's when we found this project and we're trying to go gangbusters permitting it. And it took a long time. You know, so that's not that long ago, 2010, 2013. You know, the, the Greens are, you know, big force in the Nordics, obviously. You're not worried about any of any of that raising its head again, are you? Oh, it's always there and you've got to do your very best and operate with better than world's best practice, essentially. I mean, I, I, you should could imagine that you couldn't you could not imagine how we operate up there. And, and some of our ground is in what is called Natura 2000, which is a, a biodiversity area for Europe. There have been mines opened in these areas. Um, about 20 percent of our exploration licenses in Natura. 30% of the whole of Lapland is in Natura. So it's uh, certainly harder to get permits uh, in those areas. And and if they're muddy and swampy, that's why you're, we're only permitted to drill where it's frozen and where we can get access and not chop up the ground um, right. in, in those areas. Where it's not so muddy and outside those areas, um, we can get all year access. Okay, so these conservation areas are a little bit more restrictive than you know, obviously outside the conservation areas. I mean, tell us about some of the things that you have to do. I mean, these, to me, when you have to do extra things, it's extra cost. So is it prohibitive in some instances or how do, how do you, what's the workarounds? Well like, well, like I said, there's mines opened in these areas. It's the they're biodiversity areas that are established by the EU. 20% of, of Europe's landmass was designated to go into these areas when, when each country joined mm. the EU. 
So it's a wide program and really one that um, Europe has to work around in so many ways. So we, uh, we have winter only permitting. It's very swampy. Uh, so that's really realistic. Uh, so we can drill from December to April in those areas. We have to leave zero footprint, basically. We have to collect all our cuttings, which is a standard practice through Finland that we apply anywhere. Um, so, you know, we operate the same inside and outside of those areas, but, but certainly uh, we have to do a lot more environmental mapping to establish what's there and, and what we're doing and, and if we're affecting that. And, and that's where we're going for zero impact, of course. Now, if we're ever going to mine in those areas, it won't be zero impact. It will be minimizing impact and then it will need a biodiversity swap. So picking a, an equivalent area outside the program, buying it, putting that in and, and excising this area. Okay, well, um, maybe let's, let's park that for now. I'm just, I was just sort of interested in some of the differences between sort of conventional mining you might find else where in the world versus how do you operate in Finland? Because I don't, I don't know much about Finland. Yeah, can I just pick up on that? Because Please. it's an interesting fact um, that we've got a, a large EU uh, funding also through uh, Horizon 2020. And for people outside of Europe, they won't really understand the European mentality, but it's very much uh, funding and across all the countries and trying to find solutions for Europe. And, and, and Finland is a huge, supplier of cobalt in the world, uh, refined cobalt. So something like 80% of refined cobalt comes out of China. Of that 20% that comes out of non-China, half of that comes from Finland, from the world's largest cobalt refinery. They, and they've got battery chemical plants and they've got BASF there. They play a huge role in the battery supply chain. So we, our project can be a very much a, a major contributor to that, to that uh, from the mining aspect and adding locally sourced cobalt because it's cobalt with gold as a byproduct and 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 that's that's really important because even though they produce half of the non-chinese refined cobalt in the world 90 percent of that cobalt comes from the congo you know and child labor and unethically sourced cobalt and the like so that's that works to the european mentality totally and and then and then critically, it allows us to have the resources of a major while still operating like a junior. So what I mean is smart people, you know, we've got, you know, we've got tens and tens at times of academics and smart industry people on this project that we just couldn't apply, couldn't have if we are with the scarce resources that we we have with our own funds. Okay, well, let's, let's come back to that later because I think there's, um, there's a lot of battery metal stories going at the moment. People telling us what they're going to put into batteries and you know how they're part of the European EV revolution story. So I, I do want to hear that. Um, but let's start with what was it that you set out to build? Because you know, you're sort of back where you, in share price-wise, you're back where you were um, a year ago. I know you've been doing a lot of drilling and you're going to tell me all about that in a second. You've taken a, you've got a bit of a bump recently uh, in, in the share price, so s people are listening again. But let's let's talk, start from the beginning. What was the business plan day one? Day one, it was uh, a couple of geologists sitting on a hill in Peru saying we should become entrepreneurs back in the late nineties, and and then we then we spent three or four or five years being told to bugger off, basically because we thought it was all about ideas, and and that was the school of hard knocks during that downturn. Uh, that's when we started Mawson. Uh, we started it on a joint venture in, in, in Sweden. Now, what, what really was the business plan? It was simply to find something. What really turns my crank is discovery. 
And, right. and if you ask most geologists, you know, I started with metal detectors on beaches, you know, and the thrill of the hunt. So when I found a commercial way after spending a decade in a major company being very well trained, uh, I, I thought this was a wonderful business to, to, to get into. Now, it took a long time to learn the commercial aspects and I'm much more involved in the commercial side of the business. But I've still got the geological head and, and I'm still involved at a very uh, intimate level with all our operations, but not not operating them myself day to day. So so we went through and we now you can go forward a long time and exploration is a de-risking business. And that's really what we're in the business of doing. And, and you don't want a geologist to spend one more dollar on a project if they're starting to prove it isn't there. And and the capital market's a very bad model for discovery because people tend to hang around on projects too long because it's very hard to walk. Um, they'll keep drilling holes that are market holes rather than true, bold uh, and, uh, and, and considered discovery holes through the process. So it's a, it's a very hard market to actually discover in. But uh, we turned over lots of projects and, um, and we've been up and down and we've been through a variety of cycles. And, and the history of this project specifically is that we were a uranium company I, I, and we knew Arriva, the state-based French nuclear utility. Mm-hmm. And they, at the end of the global financial crisis, were pulling out of a whole lot of countries and they said, we know you guys, we like you guys. Would you like to buy our Finnish and Russian portfolio? And we said, thank you, we'll have your Finnish portfolio. Didn't have any idea really what was in it. We thought we did. And I went down to Paris and they showed all the uranium. And, and then then sort of at the end of the project, at the end of the presentation, they came out with a 30 samples that went over, literally over percent levels of gold, over over 10,000 parts per million. And, uh, and it was... It, it was uh, staggering, didn't believe it, thought the uranium guys had no idea where to put commas and, and decimal points. And, uh, and you know, subsequently rolled forward, we took the project, we sold all the uranium, spun, it, spun out projects that we had into Peru into new companies, focused on this project, drilled Europe's best drill hole that still stands 10 years later. Um, it's six metres at 600 grams. Found some challenges in that part of the system because it was nuggety and, and hard to put together put the boots on, did a lot of shoe uh, leather walking and, and uh, found eight kilometres away this system that we're drilling now. And that was around 2013-14, a few years to permit it. And, and uh, really, because only money has been available in the last few years, it's been the last two years where a majority of the dollars, 80% of the dollars has gone into this project. Right, okay. But I guess what I'm trying to work out is what, when you, when you had that conversation in Paris, and you looked at this. You looked at this as a gold project, first of all, right? So you're saying, okay, we and, and it is today too, right? Okay. And I mean, what, what's your what's your track record in gold? I mean, get your you know junior mining gold. Or do you think that's not relevant? Well, I'd, I'd found a little deposit in Australia, I, I'd, uh, and then actually when uh, when the company that I was working for. Uh, went into receivership, a company called Pazminko. We bought all the data from Pazminko back in the early 2000s from the receivers, and that was the best data package in, in South America. So we seeded a number of companies at the time with projects, gold projects. So we had four or five years there, including Chariots and, and the, the uh, Alex Black and those guys. Uh, we were there grassroots arm. So we had, uh, that was sort of the morphing from the big company to 
data to ideas and and so I, I knew gold and had known gold pretty well there and remember I was 20 years into my career at that stage too so right so, okay so, so what I'm trying to do is build this paint this picture of, of you because you said you learned a few things along the way you picked up some you know commercial acumen right so what have you learned along the way which is going to allow you to kind of create value genuine value for this um, project because I say you know up, up until beginning of this year you know this this was a 20 million dollar company um, so what's the process for you as CEO now of, of building the building this up because it's there's a lot of drilling going on I'm, I'm, I'm seeing lots of dr drill numbers they're good numbers but how do you build the story from here for the market yeah it's a it's a it's it's a it's a really good question as to how can you create value through discovery through the cycle and and I touched on it before that it's very difficult to create this value at all points of the cycle because you can't beat the market you cannot beat the market but you can create asset value and okay. you've got to find people who understand that you've got to be able to articulate the story you've got to have a a, a, a question to solve so you can you can answer all your questions here about the geology nobody understands geology geologists don't understand geology really right we're second yeah. guessing and with some good science but what what have you answered and what do you need to answer next to get to the next value stage whether it's a resource or expanding a, a, a body or what whatever that may be and and if if you can't articulate that number one then you're all over the shop and it's hard to find money and and you know we had this deposit and we were we've been very well supported it's got a very unique share base shareholder base uh and and we've had to refresh that over the years too as as shareholders have changed their circumstances have changed of course and um so that that's meant that uh, you know what people came into the story for you can't bring new people into for so you've got you've you've literally got to articulate that pathway through and and the big change for us on this project specifically only happened late last year when we cracked the code essentially now geologists telling you are cracking the code you should have your skeptical hat on but but we actually cracked the code better than we ever have before. And that's because we did a lot of drilling. We've got a lot of smart people on the project. What, what does that mean when you say you cracked the code? What, what, what was the problem? What was the question you were answering then, which has allowed people to understand what it is that you're going to be doing? So tell me about that. Yeah, so basically, we had a, a, a gold project. Nobody doubted that it had a huge potential. You know, we found six kilometers of outcropping gold. We drilled Europe's best drill hole, as I've mentioned, and then we've gone and found another part of the system. Mm -hmm. It was huge. It was gold dripping out of the area where there's very little outcrop. But we we had before we cracked the, the code, gold everywhere without a real understanding of how we were going to monetize that, how we were going to de-risk it I mentioned where it's all about de-risking and and make sure each drill hole counted as much as it could and that doesn't mean hitting all the time because if you don't get a miss you don't know where to go to find it right so but how could we be predictive and have a predictive model and and you know we thought we did uh, all along the path but it was changing and but but it, it, you know basically we had spaghetti and uh, and then we found these nice planar 
linear bodies that went through that spaghetti and took away the spaghetti and all the noise and we we're able to follow these planar bodies and and now that's what we're drilling for we put resources on top of these planar bodies and and now we're, we're extending those bodies um, to depth um, over multiple areas okay so you you've, you've just got a better idea of what's going on on underground that, that's what you mean by cracking the code well, the geological code, what, what are the controls on high-grade gold? And, and articulating that is a key. And people can see, well, this could get bigger. You know, you've got half a million ounces there. I can see this going to a million ounces after this next drill program. And then I can see another few million ounces there. Could all, everything comes in. And, and these are sophisticated people that you're always talking to in terms of these, these capital raises. So they know the risks of exploration. But if you can de-risk it with a clear, simple story and articulate it, then probably you've got a better chance. Than absolutely, absolutely. So, so let's let's just stay on that bit for a second. Okay, so you've got circa half a million ounces at the moment. You want to obviously build that up. So how much drilling have you done to date to be able to get you to half a million ounces? Half a million was 15 kilometres of drilling right. back in December 2018. When we put our new resource out in August, August or thereabouts, late summer this year, we'll have tripled those metres. We'll be up to 45 kilometres, okay? So we put uh, 30 additional kilometres into the body before with this resource upgrade. So that's that's a significant amount of metres and, and you can start, start to see the following of the, the numbers and how they'll piece together. And it's never a straight line in exploration, but uh, so far so good that uh, the, the model's holding up and yeah. we're finding gold. Okay, so so how many meters have you done so far versus how many you're going to do by the end of August? Uh, so we've only got uh, we've got forty kilometers into the body now, uh, and we've only got five left to finish this program. So we're nearly there. Okay, and and what do you hope that's going to give you? Well, um, without with all the caveats, because I can't <laughs> talk about resources, and, but I can talk about exploration targets and ranges, and we put those in our in our uh, presentations, we, we see a target between 1 million to 1.2 million ounces uh, and with a similar grade that we, we ideally had before, which was around two and a half grams gold open pit and around four and a half grams gold underground grade. So that, that's what we had before. And if the bodies continue to build, like we have in the upper bits, the, the, the proof of concept resource, then, then that, uh, that's where we're Okay, so and again, I, I, and I'm, I'm learning all the time here, so uh, which, which, which is great. Um, with two to three grams, you, your, your plan, the model, is to kind of keep building out the resource till it reaches a level at which you think you can start looking around the economics of getting into production, right? You're not going to go early on that. Well, here's the thing that, that uh, and this is, you know, that we've got mining engineers are now on this project for the right. first time. You can imagine how, how uh, that's changing the team and the focus and the skill mm. base that you need to bring into a, a team. And, 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 and they're the questions we're asking internally because, you know, the, the rule of thumb is that people say two million ounces is the minimum that you need to get a, a mid-tier interested. That's mm -hmm. about right with another million or two on the table, right? And that, if we look at Kitzler, it's a really good example. Uh, they started, the Kitzler is Europe's biggest gold mine mm -hmm. today, run by Agnico. It's got 40 years mine life, Agnico's largest uh, mine life, and, uh, and they're just north of us, as I mentioned earlier. They started it with a maiden resource of 300,000 ounces, so smaller than we've got. 
Then Agnico bought it. There was no other resource upgrade. Six months after they bought it, they came out with 2 million ounces. And then lots of drilling and lots of work. It's now 7 million ounces going to 10. And, and that's the way these things are built, right? So Agnico are clever operators and they saw the ounces that have essentially have come for free through expiration, even though they paid the, the, the price for what was in the ground um, at the time that they could see. And that's where we're going now. So we've got this runway, half a million, a million to two million and, and then beyond. And this could be a, a, a very large system, a multi-million ounce system. It's not, it's not limited by anything to date, but it needs a lot more work. So, so the other point of that question is, and I'm, I'm giving you longer answers than probably you, you want, fine. Is, is that the risk of permitting in the first world in Europe is high, no doubt. And I've talked about the, the challenges up front about expiration. And, 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 I, and I should mention, if we don't get into that, that uh, we've got huge local support. And if you don't have local support on a project, you're you're dead in the water. So so that's a key point. But do we start permitting this earlier? That's something that's not going to fit the 200,000 ounces a year production profile of a, a Agnico or the 500,000 ounces a year production profile of a Newmont. And we start to find something that's economic, permit it, still continue to make it bigger, but de-risk it and, and not spend the 100 million bucks building a three to four million ounce deposit. And, uh, and that's what we're really looking at now. And, and um, it's early because, you know, we're, <laughs> we're still drilling and trying to create that resource base. But they're all the questions that we're asking internally now. That is a fantastic insight. That, thank you for that. People are always intrigued by, you know, how long some companies will continue to drill, keep drilling, build up a resource. And that usually involves a lot of dilution. Um, some other companies look at different business models, which is, you know, how do we get into production, get some cash flow going early, or as you say, just to to reduce the risk component around permitting and, you know, additional licenses. So fascinating. Thank you for that. Can I ask about some of the other um, projects that you've got in Finland? You know, obviously you're you're developing some. You've got a few other uh, options in the in the pipeline. What, what's the, what's the Western USA? What what, what does that relate to? Yeah, the Western USA project was a hedge, basically. Uh, we've got a, a, when when we were facing permitting issues in Finland, and and it wasn't clear that those permits were going to come through in a timely manner, and we saw a gap of one to two years potentially that didn't happen, right? And uh, hasn't happened. Doesn't look like it will happen. So we went looking for another project, and we we have an agreement with the largest landholder in the U.S. Landholders in the U.S. hold the mineral rights, and and actually we've drilled on a. A really interesting early stage epithermal system, but but uh, we're not spending a dollar on that, and we haven't spent a dollar on that for the last year. We see we see that as just a bit of a tough one uh, in competing in absolute sense to Finland. Um, okay. Now I'm gonna, you're going to ask me about Australia. I am. So I am. Australia. How did you know? Um, I know you've got an option and a JV going on there, but t- tell us why did you do that? Is it same as the USA? No, it wasn't the same as the USA because we kept the USA under wraps and worked that up slowly. We've come out all guns blazing on this Australian acquisition from you know pre-closing, and uh, that's that's because you know this this is a, a significant project. It's not just starting from first principles trying to work up a project. Now that the, the the truth is also, 
Uh, I know Australia very well. I've got the afflicted with this accent. I've known about the Fosterville style of uh, mineralization for many years. I vended a number of projects into this company that we did, did, did the deal with many years ago. I followed it. I know it. I knew it. And it's been an irony that I've been looking for gold around the world and the hottest ground is 100 kilometres north of me. So guess what an entrepreneur is going to do? He's going to go and look for opportunity. And, and what anyone says about exploration, it's not about the rocks, it's about people and, uh, and you back good people. And all that. that's a, a, a cliche, but without a doubt, you back good people in life and, and, uh, and, and surround yourself with good people. And, and so I knew some good people who had these projects and there was a window of opportunity. Now, where should a project go that, go that me and my team worked up in our minds and it didn't take a lot of time and it was negotiation. And then we had talk with a lot of the shareholders and, uh, and the universal, not, uh, not, not every shareholder, and, and of course we didn't talk to every shareholder, but the majority was why would Mike Hudson uh, paper up himself and his mates in a new company when this benefit should go to Mawson? It tags in, it's the hottest ground in the world, you're in the backyard, so you can operate it. It's not trying to go try and do something, and 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 it's got a much more marketability than a gold project in Oregon, for example, right? And I don't want to pick on Oregon because that fitted a purpose, and that somebody will find a great deposit in Oregon one day. It just won't be us. But here we've got the uh, the opportunity here to to really do something. And how much have you spent? What have you got? And what are you going to do? And how much time are you going to devote to the Australian? assets yeah well well at the moment finland is the absolute flagship that's where 50 million of our market cap market cap comes from five million of our market cap comes from australia we've okay. raised money on finland we'll continue to to explore finland but uh, we haven't spent a cent on australia yet other than uh brain power and and a bit of due diligence now that will change soon, very soon. We're closing this in March, this acquisition, mm -hmm. but it's a relatively cheap deal. It's a relatively cheap deal. It was something like, uh, five, well, it was, it was five, well, less than 5% of Mawson's share capital. Mm -hmm. So we issued some stock. Uh, we paid half a million dollars for one project outright, and now we're committed to a million dollars on two projects, so $2 million over five years. Okay. So that, that could be done out of treasury today. Um, without too much sweat. But the point is that uh, we see this as a an augmentation, not a pivot, you know, because people say, well, what the hell, I'm getting another project. Um, is Finland got a whole heap of problems that we don't know about? Not the case. And the results in Finland that we put out and will continue to put out will show that. So we're going to work these projects up, work out what we've actually got. I know what we've got, but we've got to articulate the story, ask the questions, see what gaps are there, and, and there's walk-up drill targets. There's better drill holes in some of these projects in Australia than we've got in Finland. And Finland's a, a, a bloody good project. So the, the, the projects here are very interesting. And we don't drill a lot during the Finnish summer because of those permitting winter timeframes. So by the time we finish in Finland, there's always a gap. So that's where these projects could potentially uh, come into play. We, I mentioned we've spun projects out of Mawson. We've done joint ventures. We've started new companies. We're entrepreneurs at heart that have exploration and trying to create value through exploration in our blood. So one, when this starts to become a larger spending exercise, we've got the question to ask, is it best coming from 
raising money and will ask people at that time whether it should be Mawson or not. Now, there's lots of options here. Finland is going to be a much better project becoming more Finnish than less Finnish. And I could say that about any project on earth, but it needs a local listing. I'd love to get the state mining company invested in Finland. That will only happen if we're listed in Finland. So should we list Finland? And Mawson becomes a, a majority shareholder, but we, we put that into to the Finnish market there and concentrate on these projects in, in the southern part of the world. So okay. lots of options. Yeah, definitely lots of options. Um, lots of options. Now, you keep describing yourself as an entrepreneur. Is that, is that what you think defines a good exploration miner? You've got to be entrepreneurial, or do you need to be a little bit more methodical? I was schooled in a very strong technical base. I try to put the smartest people around me, so I'm no spiv, and I hope I'm not coming across as as one today to you there, Matthew. But, but likewise, good technical people don't make good managers of junior exploration companies. Good geologists don't make good exploration managers. You need the commercial sense and spirit, and and you need to have the 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 skill and courage to continue on what is you know the biggest roulette wheel in in terms of geology and the science of geology it's hard right and and so you've got to make big decisions with little bits of information and uh and and that doesn't come from being overly technical alone but you must be um technical and have a good so i think geologists make the best managers of these companies until they start to become uh redundant and that that redundancy is when you need to change the skill base of these companies or sell the project okay so th we're getting into a fascinating area here so um you think that what well, you're telling me your focus is nearly 100 percent on finland and what you're doing there you, you believe in that project you are taking optionality in the us where you're not spending money but more so in australia where you see the potential there but it's kind of a little bit not quite flexi time but the, the the summer and winter programs allow you to focus the relevant amount of time and attention on on each it's it, what well, i guess what i'm trying to get when people say entrepreneurial to me i, I it kind of makes me a, a bit occasionally it makes me nervous because that people getting distracted by shiny new object over here and not finishing project number one, which in your case is Finland. So, yeah, do, do you think you're do you think you're guilty of that, or do you think it's um, a case of no, you 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 know what the process needs to be, you know where you guys need to get this to, and then you will exit, or have you got plans to take this into production? <laughs> that's a that's a that's a that's a big question all around. Um, of course, I'm going to answer no, we, we know what we're doing, and, and I truly believe we do. We're focused sharply on Finland, without a doubt. Uh, but, you know, if, if uh, that geologist, entrepreneurial geologist, wasn't sitting in Paris now back in 2010, this asset that's going to be a multi-million asset, million ounce asset in Finland wouldn't have been created. And, and that's really where we're starting at first principles in Australia. And, and, and we just need to see where the market is. And, what the asset is and what we've got and we'll make the right decision around creating value for shareholders through discovery not defocus um, and and i said uh, before really what we what we're in the business of doing is creating assets to be bought that's 
without a doubt. You know, we're taking the zero value to the millions of dollars value to $50 million today, to hundreds of millions of dollars when we've got millions of ounces in the ground to hopefully in a market and let's let's pray or pray that there's a there's a better market ahead of us and we that's that's a hope and that's not a strategy <laughs> that's just a hope uh, we plan for the worst but but uh in those times when you've got the the, the top tier asset that is advanced and advancing towards uh, production and you, you've got something that looks what the majors need then that's when you maximize your value you know and, and these values of multi-million ounce deposits can range from half a billion to one and a half billion, depending on and no difference between the asset, just the time. So okay. that's, uh, that's okay. a huge. You talk, you talk about bringing the right skill sets in at the right time. So you're telling me you're the right guy now. At what point do you think you're going to need to bring new people in to move this project forward? Well, I've taken projects through to pre-feasibility um, in, in major companies and junior companies. And, and that's really, I think, where it starts to get to the limit of my skill base. You know, I know I spent three years underground mining. I know about mining, but I'm not a miner. I know enough to, to say that. So so that's a, probably when, you know, a mining engineer and you now they say just the little joke is that they, a, a geologist runs a mine until it hits and in, gets into problems. Mining engineer comes along, fixes it up. And then when the mine really is starting to become told, retired and old, the accountants come in. So there's somewhere along that line a bit earlier that we need to think about all those different things. Okay, no, that, that, that's great. Now, you're, you've talked about your commitments to Australia. You've got a couple of million bucks. You've got your own GNA in, in Finland, etc. You got, what are you sitting on, about five million in cash at the moment? Yeah, north of that, but we're spending it uh, quickly with five rigs turning in Finland. Right, so next question. You know what's coming. When's the next? Yeah, so we'll end up with, we'll, sorry, the question is how much will we end up with by the end of this drill program? And, and we'll end up with around 2 million Canadian mm. in the bank by May, which will give us enough to, to operate. But of course, there's going to be a need for more capital. In fact, what Finland needs within this current permitting period, which is, which is uh, this summer and then winter, because we can do some drilling in summer, it's not completely off limits, yeah. but uh, is, is another $15 million to get to that plus 2 million ounce target. And uh, I don't think that will come in one hit, of course. Um, you don't dilute these companies. And we've had this company since 2004 and kept it pretty tight. You know, it's been tough during the, but we're very aware of the Canadian share capital story. I mean, a lot of people hear this accent and think paper will be thrown at them with the Australian model, but not the case. Uh, and, um, and yeah, so we'll be looking for more money and, and that will be about the right time for Australia also. And we'll have that much better articulated and, and the opportunity and, and then we'll see what the breakdown is. But clearly uh, you know, we're, we're onto a, a good thing here that can, on that pathway of discovery and value creation in Finland. That's a fantastic first introduction to the story. I quite like it. I mean, I, I was aware of it, you know, uh, about 12, 18 months ago, um, have been following it. Looks like things are finally starting to take hold. I know it's a tricky market, so you know I'll be intrigued when you start having these conversations to try and understand if you can get this money in, this this next bit of cash in, and and how that comes in. But please stay in touch, Michael. It's been a delight. We haven't spoken to each other for a couple a couple of years, but um, it's nice to see that things are heading the right direction. As I say, uh, long may that continue. 
Thank you, Matthew. It's a pleasure, as always, to do it formally over the video. And uh, and uh, I hope uh, you and wish you all the best of success in what you're doing here. And and, and I don't look at many technical or stories uh, out there, but I, I enjoy looking at your stories. So um, I, I trust that came across in this one. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast? or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.